Well, it is good to see you this morning on this holiday weekend. We have been looking for the last several weeks at what it means to be Easter people. We've been looking at what lessons we can learn about being Easter people from the book of Revelation. And we're continuing that this morning. We live in an interesting time here because we are right in the middle. We're the people who live in between the paradox of the incarnation, Jesus, God with us. And this time that we have been looking at in Revelation of a time when we will have God with us for eternity. So we are sort of in the middle. And as I have read over these passages, passages over the last few weeks, I came to one thing very, one insight very early that one of my divinity school professors would have told John he was a wonderful, wonderful preacher because one of the things they tell you sometimes is you want to tell the people what you're going to tell them, then you're going to tell them, then you're going to tell them what you did tell them. And that's a great sermon. John is repetitive. He is very repetitive. And today you may hear echoes of some things that we've heard before. But as a parent, and if you've worked with other people any, you know sometimes you say things and you're not sure people are actually listening. <laughs> I think John had really important things that he wanted to say and that he wanted to make sure that his readers heard. And so I don't want to miss those. And I don't want us to miss those either. So if you're following along in your Bible, open up to Revelation 21 and just hang out there because we're going to look through parts of 21 and parts of 22. So we're going to start Revelation 21 verse 10. It says this, and he carried, he carried away, now this is John talking and he's talking about one of the elders in his vision. So he's saying the elder carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Now, I just want to say something. I'm, I've backpacked a lot and have gone to the top of many mountains. And the view from the top of a mountain is totally different than the view from in the middle of what you're looking at. You can see everything. You can see everything from the top of a mountain. The view from the mountain is always better. And the elder in John's vision, I think, is pulling him up to the top of the mountain where he can see clearly where things have been and where things are going. And there are times that we have those mountaintop experiences, I think, where we get absolute clarity on something. And we can see where we've been and we can see where we're going and things make sense if even just for a minute. And so that's kind of where we are. John has been pulled up to the mountain and this elder is saying, look around. I've got something to show you that's different. So let's keep reading. We're going to look at 21, skip down to verses 22 through 27, because this is what he sees. I saw no temple in the city, for the temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. The city has no need for the sun or the moon to shine, for the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. The people will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth who will bring their wealth into it will come in. 
Its gates will never be shut by day, always standing open, because there is no night there. People will bring the glory and wealth of the nations into it, and evil will not enter, nor anyone who does what is abhorrent or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the book of life of the Lamb. And keep going, we're going to look at first five verses of 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, flowing with water clear as crystal, continuously pouring out from the throne of God and the Lamb. The river was flowing in the middle of the streets of the city, and on either side of the river was the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of ripe fruit according to each month of the year. The leaves of the tree of life are for the healing of the nations. And every curse is broken and will no longer exist. For the throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city. His loving servants will serve him and they will see constantly his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And night, again we're being told, night will be no more. They'll never need the light, never need the sun or a lamp because the Lord God will shine on them. And they will reign as kings forever and ever. Now, just remember, we are reading what John wrote to first century Christians who were in the midst of terrible persecution. They were experiencing beatings, stonings, even death for mentioning the name of Jesus. So the elder is pulling John up and pulling him up to the mountain where he can see clearly. And one thing that he is laying out before him is... It's not always going to be like it is right now. I got to show you something different, John. It's not always going to be this way. A new day is coming, and here's what it's going to look like. And that's what we have in Revelations 21 and 22 is a picture of this new day. And so it's described in several ways that are really a big deal for us to get this morning. Because the first way that the new day, this new city, this new Jerusalem is described is a time where we don't need a temple. There will be no temple. An idea of a city with no temple. We see it repeated twice in just these verses. And the people this letter was written to would have been very familiar with the idea of a temple. The Hebrew people have lived their entire lives with God having a home in at first the tabernacle and then the temple. The temple had separations. There were courts where only the women and the Gentiles could be outside of the temple, along with the animals. Jewish men could go into the temple, but only the priest went once a year into the very center part of the temple called the Holy of Holies, where God was supposed to live. The presence of God was supposed to be there. And now John's saying there's not going to be a temple. There's going to be no need for a temple because no longer is there separation between God and the people. No longer is there separation between the lamb and the people. It's accessible. He is accessible to everyone. God is present everywhere, not just in the temple. And that would have been a completely different way of thinking for these first century Christians. But this place that John is describing is a place where there's no separation, no distance, 
no chasm between God and his people. And not only that, he describes it as a place where there's no sun, no night, no moon, because the Lamb of God is the light. Now, I'll be honest, when I first read that, I got really sad about thinking about no sunshine (laughs) because I love the sun, but I do not think that is what John means. Remember, John is really symbolic. He says a lot of things through symbolism and believe that John is really being shown a time where the presence of God is so surrounding, so intense, so overwhelming that no light is needed It's just not needed because the presence of God is so bright and so overwhelming. God's presence is ultimately the light. God's presence is what banishes out the night. There's no room for darkness because God's presence is everywhere. Now think about this. The Jewish people, their holy book, the Hebrew scripture, we call the Old Testament. Can you think about what was taught in the Old Testament over and over that if you saw God face to face, what might happen to you? You can yell it out. Anybody? You die. Yes. If you were to see God face to face, you would die. And now they're told, not only is there coming a time where all you've known is the tabernacle and the temple, it's not going to be the case. Also, you're going to be in the presence of God and you are not going to die. (laughs) We're not going to need day and night or lamps because God's going to be all of that for us. We will be in his presence and we will see him face to face and we will not die. So John's saying, remember, this presence of God is for you, but not just for you. Because if you look at verse 24, he says, we're told people from every nation are coming in. And bringing their wealth into the city. People from every nation. All the people coming in and bringing all they have into the city. The light, this light that takes over, that banishes out the dark, is what is drawing all the people in to this place that John has shown. So John's shown, okay, one day there's not going to be a need for a temple because God's presence is going to be everywhere. We are going to be with him. He's going to say one day there's going to be no night. God is going to banish that because God is the light, the light for us and the light for all the people. Then the elder shows him more. If you look in 21 verse 25, he says, this city, this new Jerusalem will have no closed gates ever. No closed gates. There will be no time where there is a division or a shutting off of this place where the light constantly is. There will be no wall, no impediment in between the presence of God and people coming to the presence of God. No closed gates means no one is kept out. We get this picture of this big, inclusive city where everybody is welcome. And he goes on to say again, the nations will come. The nations. Now, we have gates in our yard. We have a gate around our backyard, mainly to keep our dog in. (laughs) But it's also to keep people out because we don't want, especially like when the pest man comes and open up the gate and let our dog out and all that sort of stuff. We want to, people, we want to know when somebody comes in the back so we know what's happening. And the truth is we all have gates. 
either physical around the stuff that we value or metaphorical around something in us that we are trying to close off. And the Jewish people, again, would have been really familiar with this idea of gates because cities at that time had gates and outside the gates was where all the unclean people went. That's where all the people who are the impure or the punished were sent to be outside the gates because only the socially acceptable and only the good and the pure people were welcomed inside the city. That's not the case here. We see no closed gates, no barriers. All are welcome inside. No one is shut out. And it says that evil won't even be able to enter. Nothing abhorrent or evil will even be able to enter. Because God will make it all new. We don't need closed gates because God will make the evil and the shameful and the impure and the sinful and the socially outcast and the not wanted and the not accepted new. New in him. John's telling his readers again and again that just because it has been this way of separation for you for all this time, it does not mean it will always be this way. A new day is coming. And he keeps going. We looked at verse 20, I mean, chapter 22 as well. Chapter 22 talks about a river, the throne of God. The river is coming from the throne of God and going right through the middle of the city. There's a tree with fruit all the time. And its leaves are for the healing of the nations. It says every curse will be broken. The lamb will be in the city and everyone will serve together, seeing God face to face. No need again for sun or lamps. God's there, and they'll be there to reign together forever. Now let me ask you a question. When have we heard about a place where there's a tree and some fruit and a curse? Garden, yes, it's simple to say. Garden, that's very familiar, right? We hear about that at the very beginning. The very beginning where it all started. Only in the garden, there are two trees and the people chose knowledge over life. The tree that was chosen didn't bring people in and eternal, eternal life. It brought, brought, brought death, brought separation from God. So let's think about this picture, because we're really coming all back to the beginning. We've got this place described as a city. God's presence will be everywhere. There will be no boundaries between us and God. God will be the light, and it will be so powerful and so present that there's no room for darkness. No room for the darkness of, of like, no light, but also no room for the darkness of evil. The curse is not forgotten about, but the curse is broken, which means all things are made new by Jesus. It's not just saying, oh, the curse doesn't matter anymore. The curse is reversed. The curse is broken. There will be no more. And in this place, we see the tree of life bearing fruit all the time, a tree that exists specifically, we're told, for the healing of the nations, right in the middle of everything. This is in contrast, but it means that we have heaven and earth 
really being meshed together because this place where it all started, where God's presence was initially in the garden, where humanity started but had to leave, where the gate closed behind them and removed the presence of God, this place where shame and brokenness entered mankind is now made right. Even the garden, the perfect beginning point, God makes new, makes it better. We've come full circle, the beginning and the end. And it looks like people together in a city. It looks like open gates. It looks like people brave enough to let down the walls that they put around themselves and brave enough to love this image of God that we see in each other. It looks like God's presence always, not only in one place, but everywhere. And it looks like all things being made right too, not just the place, but the things that are coming into it, the people coming into it. All of that, we are told, is made new. I think we really need to get this. Because we're living in a time between the incarnation, when Jesus first came to be God with us, and this vision that John has of when it's all going to be the way that he describes. We're in the middle. But the incarnation, the presence of Jesus, the God with us, did not end when Jesus was crucified. It's God with us. Jesus was God with skin on in human form, but we even had a little hint in the passage that Michael read today of something else coming at the time that he, when Jesus was giving that discourse to the disciples. There's going to be a counselor. There's going to be a healer. There's going to be the spirit. And we have that in us. That is the way that we live into the incarnation because Jesus was God with skin on. We get Jesus and the Holy Spirit with us all the time. And guys, what I think it's important for us to get is that this picture this picture is God with us now. This is not just, oh, it'll be great when it's there. This is the way we are called to live right now. It's not just that we can. It's not just that we look at it and we go, oh, that'd be nice if we could do that. It means we need to, we need to live like this is God with us right now. We need to live this life in the city that John has shown right now. Think about Jesus when he was told to tell, when he was asked to tell his disciples, how do we pray? How do we pray? One of the things that he said in the Lord's prayer was as earth, on earth, as it is in heaven. Jesus prayed that means we're called to live out heaven on earth. It's like, this is heaven practice. We get to practice. We can't just long for things to be different. We can't just complain and wish it would change. Oh, it's so terrible. I wish it would be different. We have to do the work here to make it happen. We have to not stop looking for the light of God that looks different in every single person that we see. We cannot stop recognizing that light and calling it out in each other and in ourselves. 
it means we have to live no temple kind of lives. No temple kind of lives where we see God's presence in everyone and everywhere. That we don't call this holy because it's good and this not holy because it's not, but we seek out the holy and the image of God in everyone and everything because that's what God does. Not because it makes us comfortable to do it, but because that's what God does. We don't need to go somewhere to be in God's presence because we are the temple. If we have the image of God in us, then we are the light and we are the temple. We get to go be that in this earth. We have to do the hard work of opening gates because we all know that we have them and that a lot of times they are closed. We have to look. We have to keep finding the excluded or the outcast and find ways to bring them in. We have to work to have companionship with God and with others. And it's scary because some people won't like it. It means we aim not for independence that we pride ourselves in America that we have, but we aim for interdependence, where we're better because we depend and challenge each other. We pull each other up, and because of that, we are all made better. And that light, that image of God that we are told is, is constant light, the incarnation means we believe it's in us and we believe it's in other people. And so we have to do the things to try to make it right with them. All the nations are drawn in means we have to do the hard work of making it right with the nations on this side of heaven. We must live like it's possible here. John is describing a beautiful picture of what is coming but if we believe in Jesus and we believe God's with us always, then that means we have to do and live like it's possible here. We have to work for it here. So what does that look like? I have two stories I want to share with you from the Pittsburgh Marathon. The first one You'll see a picture here in a few minutes, but it's a man, um, Matt Scaletti is his name, and you see him here hugging someone, but I'll tell you about Matt Scaletti. He's the one that has the camo vest on and the running number. He ran the entire Pittsburgh Marathon with 11-pound weights on his body. He was not Jewish. He was Catholic, but he ran wearing those weights in honor of and to honor the memory of the 11 people massacred in the Tree of Life Jewish synagogue in Pittsburgh. And the man hugging him is the leader of that synagogue. And Masculetti said this, this was not only an attack on the Jewish community, but on everyone. I felt like I had to do something personally in the face of this tragedy. I wanted an act that was symbolic of the pain those families and the community were going through, but that also symbolized hope and perseverance. Guys, that is living with no gates. 
That's going beyond any division or separation, going beyond any religious differences. That is being drawn by the light of God to be present with and just sit with those people around you. Another story from that same race, Pittsburgh Marathon. Two women. One was running her very first marathon. And I've run two, and both of them were hard. But the first one was really bad. The other lady is running her 12th marathon. They did not know each other. They met each other along the way. And they said, we are not leaving either one of us behind. They held hands for the last several miles of that race. Sometimes one would pull the other one, and the other one would pull the other one. But... They believed in themselves, and they believed in the stranger that they had just met. Guys, this is what the light of God does. It draws people together, and it helps them believe in themselves and in each other. It helps us see clearly, and it chases away the darkness that we have in ourselves and that we fear in each other. The kingdom of God is not just a it's-coming-sometime dream. It's here right now. And being a follower of Jesus means that we are about his words and his work here. And it means we get to live out God with us here. And it's up to us to think about, okay, in our communities, in our families, in our own context, what does it look to li- look like to live this life in this city that we are shown in Revelation? We get to choose how we're going to be the light. We get to choose how we are going to be the presence of God that is so overpowering and so all-encompassing that it chases out darkness and makes everything visible. So let me ask you this question. What are you doing with your light? We all have them, and they look different, but we all have them. What are you doing with it? Or where do you need God's light to enter your life? Where is there darkness that you need God's presence to come in and just chase away? Where do you need to be that light for somebody else? Where do you need to be that light? What does it look like for you to live with no gates? For you personally, for you as a family, for us as a community, what does that look like? Where do we need to be working to bring those outside inside? Where are there walls that need to be broken and opened up? What would it look like if you really tried to live this life in the city that we're given here. You know, on the screen for the next few minutes, I, I make the youth do this a lot. <laughs> we'll talk about something and then we just take some time to be quiet and think. Because, you know, something that sometimes irks me about church is that we have this time where some one person tells what they think about something and then we never discuss it again. And really, my personal preference is that God's word be unleashed and we just talk about it. 
because it's way more powerful than one person. And when you unleash the spirit, who knows what starts happening. So we want to give you a little bit of time. I want to give you a little bit of time. We're going to see a um, some questions and some images come on the screen. So just take a few moments to interact with the questions that you see or to just be silent and listen to the, the voice of God within you saying, here's what I mean to you when I say let's live as the temple. Let's be the light. Let's live with no gates. Let's welcome the nations in. Because it'll mean something different for each one of us. So take a few moments, sit, rest, be quiet, and let God speak to you as you watch the screen.
continue to think and reflect on what God is doing in you and how you can live life here. Live life here like we're described this life in the city eternity will be. And there are several other ways that you can respond as we are coming to a time of response in our service where if you would like to talk with me or another minister about what it means to be a Jesus follower, how do I live with God with us always, we would love to talk with you about that. If you've been through our Connecting Conversations class and you want to join with our church, I'm happy to help you with that. You know, we have our prayer stations at the back like we generally do where you can light candles or write a prayer request. But also this morning we do have in the front some small lights. I like to hold on to things. And so maybe you would find it helpful or meaningful to take a little light with you and take it home and put it somewhere where you'll just think about who needs a light and how am I being a light today? We have in the very back our Oakmont Beyond the Building Sunday coming up in June, and we want to encourage you to go ahead and start writing down things, ways, ideas that you have about being Jesus outside these walls. Now, yes, we should do that all the time, but on that Sunday, we're specifically going to do some different things. So maybe you need to think about, how can I live outside the gates that Sunday? How do I live like there's no temple because the presence of Christ is everywhere. How do I live my light out on that Sunday? And maybe you have an idea and you want to jot that down and put it on the display in the back. Our hymn, our song is going to be on the screen. And I encourage you to continue to process, continue to think, but let God's words seep in as you sing and respond this morning. So let's stand and sing together. Thank you. 